Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate this is greg olson inviting you to check out my new blue wire podcast te1 where i interview tight ends throughout the history of the nfl who have helped revolutionize the position TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. That's right, your host is always Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to be doing the Crystal Palace match review today, but we've got a special guest, one of the long-time running guests that we've had on this show. Uh, absolutely excited to have you back. Liam Toomey of The Athletic, crushing it on your podcast over there and all the articles you're writing. We're excited to have you on, Liam. How you been? I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to be back. There's so much to talk about, it feels like, after every single Chelsea game now. Um, people may be drawing too many conclusions, if anything, but it's, it's always an interesting conversation. Now, Liam, are you saying people are jumping to conclusions at the end of every Chelsea match? That is, that's a new phenomenon in 2020. Sounds incredible, isn't it? It's a mat, <laughs> but on the mat, you jump... To different conclusions office space fans what's up yeah i'm glad that i teed you up for that and you actually landed it good job oh come on <laughs> <laughs> hey we are clicking on this one if only listeners you knew what hurdles we have jumped to get to this <laughs> point right now to be talking with you uh but look like i said uh, if you haven't checked liam out um on the athletic do it uh they have amazing deals all the time to join right now um and yeah like well worth the the monthly investment in in him Simon and all the other guys that are working on the Chelsea and the Premier League be especially with transfers going on uh actually by the time you listen to this the transfer window will be shut so um anyways real quick to start this one off Liam this is a new one you haven't been around for we do a three word match review so we're gonna go get buy you some time here uh starting out with some of Dan's hand-picked responses from Twitter yeah, these are only the best of the best. You know, when we look at some of the ones that we've gotten, uh, our friend Adi with the with creates goals. I thought that was a really astute observation. 
we had uh, JL Hines, longtime listener, goal scoring defenders, Brick by Brick 505, second half savages. Uh, one from Trail Wolf, Peacock and Chillwell was quite <laughs> wonderful. Peacock and Chillwell. Uh, our friend, uh, uh, football Yannick Yan with Chili B Train. There was uh, Chill Wencaster with Chillwell Pomade Endorsement, which was the post-match uh, interview that he did. Uh, Gary like Hayes helmet. with Ben Jammin Chillwell. Just you know, really, you know, again, they were really Chillwell-centric, and I, I just suppose that's fine. But, you know, all in all, really, really good three-word match reviews. Uh, A-plus to everybody. Clearly A-plus to the ones you picked. Everyone else, you're going to have to step it up to make Dan's list next time because <laughs> these are clearly him verifying quality. Uh, Nick, what about you? What was yours? Well, Liam was letting us know about the weather before we jumped on and how it's how it's cooled off significantly. Liam, I'm wondering if, if a chili front has come through. Chili stand for bridge. Just rolling. There's a chili front coming off the Atlantic in, mm. into Stanford Bridge. That doesn't make the handpick list. Sure it does. It's on my I'm list. I'm sorry. W- was there a three-word match review in there? I'm Chili Stanford Bridge. Chili oh, Stanford Bridge. Wow. It's written on the script. You're even looking at it. Give me yeah, a break. I, just, I need you to verbalize it. Uh, yes, Liam, you had said pre-call that you guys have lost all sense of fall and went from summer to now winter. <laughs> is it really winter there already? It really is. It really is. We don't re- we we don't really get snow here too much. It's just wet, and I'm staring right now at a saturated window onto a street, um, <laughs> and that's basically what my life will be for the next six months. We literally just heard all hopes and dreams of Liam just release as he looked out that window and explained what he saw. That poor man. Um, that poor poor man. Dan, what about you for your three word match review? Well, mine, uh, pulling from the wonderful Waffle House hash browns experience, refers to our defense because we smothered and covered Crystal Palace yesterday. Brought to you by Waffle House. Visit your nearest Waffle House. (laughs) Yeah, Dan, tell me who I have to sell before you get into these engagements. Uh, You guys are going to get... You guys are going to get some tasty freebies, I think, in a in a week or two. After that. I hope so. Really? No, no Waffle Houses in the Pacific Northwest. But if they want to find a way to get me some, I'd be down for that. I like it. I put bounce back, baby. Dun 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 dun. No. Anyways, these are these are awful today. Yeah. Look, I'm having fun. Liam, have we stalled <laughs> long enough for you to give us a three word match review? Yes. I, uh, everyone's banging on about Chillwell and. I understand why, but I'm going to go with Airzuma Returns. Ooh, okay. Yeah, Airzuma. Dude can hop. I like it. We'll definitely talk about Zuma. Um, He's been the consistent man at the back, uh, becoming very trusted and reliable. uh, So we'll get into that. But the other things we're going to discuss today, Ben Chill's excellent day out amidst a great day for the entire defense as well even though he was the only one not speaking french <laughs> a look at the performances of two players that have been question marks uh callum hudson adoy and Jorginho. go ahead and touch on them and then we'll our an- answered questions dan of the match and look ahead to the end of the transfer window which is today of recording uh the premier league table and everything like that but as always we always like to start said podcast with some thank yous thank you to salem Ciro judden and simon for joining us up in Patreon, uh, let's hope that you're all in Discord by the time you're listening to this. We're working on it. 
Uh, Apple Podcast, thank you, Dan. Over to you, sir. Yeah, just shy of a thousand now. We are about. You've been saying that for like a month. I mean, are we like, are we there yet? Is it? <laughs> uh, well, as, as we were talking about it in the US IT, uh, Apple Podcast Store, it's uh, about eight away from a thousand, which is pretty fantastic. I mean, it's you know over fourteen hundred worldwide, so that's pretty exciting. But want to thank Yanjin, Rashonane, Doctor. Jimmy uh, Bernges, we had JJS99, we had Carcodial, we had JRJUUFCG, don't know what that word is, uh, <laughs> Jazzarinic, uh, Junior Cavs, McSqueezy, DSG, Mim T- uh, Tizud, Ayas <laughs> uh, Nijor, J Ken <laughs> Spiral so, Out Some of these are just a bunch of letters in a row, fellas. We got to figure this out. Zorro with a, an O and, and a zero underscore Z. Just, uh, well, thank you for A, making it difficult for me because we all know I'm the best at pronunciations on this podcast. <laughs> Not. <laughs> uh, and then also leaving these amazing reviews. It helps with the rankings, it helps connect us with uh, other listeners and other. Chelsea supporters, and uh, you all have done great work in uh, acknowledging the show. So thank you. Nick? Share us, goddammit. Share us out. The more more we get shared, the more we get to bring awesome people like Liam on the show. The fee he charges is just outrageous, and so we need <laughs> we need your help, okay? We we need your help. Play he, play a little Lindsey Graham. He makes us come visit only him only twenty five cents a day. You too oh, can no. support Liam Toomey no. <laughs> on so, the London is blue. And get out of bed for less than a free pack of waffles. That's right, Waffle House. If you're listening, <laughs> oh, we might we have need a hookup. As uh, but you yeah, any, anywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, make a TikTok about us. We're all good. Well, okay. Um, Little, yeah. All right. Challenge. We'll look into that. The all right. Look, been thrown. Let's get into it. All right. Match review time. It was Crystal Palace in the Premier League this past Saturday, October 3rd, 2020. It was at Stanford Bridge, and the scoreline, in case you missed it, Chelsea 4, Crystal Palace 0 0. It's a clean sheet. I went on the record laughing at Dan for predicting a clean sheet, saying, no chance. And here we are, not only a clean sheet, but an absolute pummeling of a decently informed Crystal Palace. So let the inconsistencies fly. Uh, let's listen back to the goals from the official Chelsea FC app. The fifth stand app, go check in there. They've got their new play predictor game. All the earliest content is released on the app and then to the socials from there. So don't miss it. Get download the app now. Here we go. Derby Day in West London as Crystal Palace make the short trip across the capital for Chelsea's second fixture against local opposition this week. Havertz. This is where we could be dangerous. Werner left-hand side's got the space if Havertz gets his head up. He's managed to work it to Timo Werner. Good well the defender. Sacco didn't know. And here's Azpilicueta with the left foot deflected up into the air. Abraham maybe for Havertz or Chilwell! His first Chelsea goal, Ben Chilwell, on his Premier League debut in blue. Nathan Chilwell, Zuma again, there is the second goal. And Zuma heads in his second goal of the season, his Chelsea 2, Palace 0. It's a great cross from Hudson-Odoi and that was nearly game over. Sammy Abraham a couple of inches wide. Oh, Abraham goes down, penalty. 
I don't think there's any much much doubt about this one either. Easy as you like. A hop, skip, a jump, and another goal for Jorginho. It's Chelsea 3, Crystal Palace 0. Thiago Silva puts the cross in and break for Havertz. When oh, he goes down, and it's another penalty. How clumsy is that from Mamadou Sacco? Jorginho again then. Same side, same result. Two successful penalties in four minutes for Jorginho and four goals on the day for the Blues. Kersin has been hurt in that challenge. Strange way for it to end with those two players down and hurt, but it's been a satisfying afternoon for Frank Lampard, that's for sure. Final score at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 4, Crystal Palace new. All right, so as you might remember, I did nail the score prediction, so we can move on from that. Um, mm-hmm. 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 Uh, look, guys, mm-hmm. no, no one did, but yet again, at least Dan, we can claim partial credit for predicting a win while Salty Nick predicted a draw. <laughs> look, oh. as I said, as I said on Twitter, I sacrifice my prediction every week just in the hopes that Chelsea does something different than what I predict. Wow. I am not the hero we deserve. I'm the hero we need right now. Okay? Okay. That's that. Is that is that the actual consonant you want in front of the ERO? Is it maybe a zero, a Z? All not right, an look, H? Go away. <laughs> Everyone, hey, shut Dan's feet off. Liam, now that we've seen it hindsight, as you were writing and looking in ahead at this match in your in your preview stuff, did you see a four nothing? coming out of this team based on the inconsistency we've seen in the last seven days? Well, I mean, I, I could just say that I did now, can't I? And no one can prove me wrong. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I I, didn't, no. I, I thought this was exactly the kind of scoreline that Chelsea absolutely needed. Um, but I didn't, see, I didn't see them looking as solid defensively and controlling Palace as, as completely as they did. And I didn't see them scoring four goals, which... I think even in the game didn't look particularly likely uh, until the two penalties. Yeah, if anyone can go ahead and send me a real screenshot of them predicting Jorginho with the brace today, uh, we'll send you something. You got my word, but I need it to be real. Dan, run us through the lineup. They got us to this just massive, massive victory in this must-win match that we talked about in our preview. Well, uh, Edouard Mendy gets Kepa Blaga a gift and uh, lets him take the day off on his birthday. We had uh, Thiago Silva, Kurt Zuma, Ben Chilwell, and Azpilicueta so as our back lineup line. We had Jorginho Conte as our midfield with a four ahead of them, Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Doy, and Kai Havertz, and then Tammy Abraham starting up top. Uh, as mentioned, Kepa was on the bench with Fakayo Tomori, Reese James, Mason Mount, and Olivier Giroud. Christian Pulisic and Mateo Kovacic come in in the latter half of the latter half of the game and get some cameo minutes in this match, Brandon. All right, so 4-2-3-1, much discussed versus Palace's 4-4-2. Roy Hodgson bringing the uh, the sexy back to the old 4-4-2. Uh, match stats, Chelsea was 71% possession, 17 shots, 6 on target. To Palace's, they only had four shots, none on target. Uh, we had 14 tackles there, 10. We had 14 clearances there, 15. I think that's interesting that we had 70% possession and had the same amount of clearances. 
Oh, we had eight corner kicks, which was a good thing today. We could talk happily about corners. Uh, we had a couple cautions and, and a bunch of fouls conceded. So anyways, uh, the expected goals here, Dan, wrap us up before we get into the Chili B discussion. Uh, 1.0 plus two penalties for Chelsea to 0.2 for Crystal Palace. Scoreline of 4 nothing, outperforming the expected goals. We are redeeming some of our underperformance last season and getting them uh, banked into this year. We pay, it was a little bit of a, a dividend payout, I think. Oh, it's time to cash in. I like seeing this where Crystal Palace, three of their four shots were outside the box. That's a great day defensively. Uh, I'm not going to say anything ridiculous, but I think Keppel would have done well today. Just saying. We need this type of defensive shell. All right, first topic of the day is Benjamin Chilwell, better known as Chili B, and the best offense, which is apparently defense. That's that's a cliche right there for all of you. So welcome to Chelsea, Chili B. The Leicester turned Chelsea man had a day out and certainly showed why he was on the top of Lampard's list of left back targets. Liam, I personally felt like it was a lot of money. There were alternative options that were similar. Having seen him in the flesh, even in his limited minutes, I am way impressed. Clearly, surprisingly I did not do as much homework as the Chelsea scouting department did on Ben Chilwell and he looks to be better than advertised at Leicester better than advertised is this what you're seeing or is this just the Ben Chilwell that they knew they were getting I think he's he's better than he looked last season because it was pretty widely acknowledged that he had a bit of a down year at Leicester I think part of that was that his head had been turned a little bit I mean this is was a really long pursuit from Chelsea um, in, and they they kept their powder dry rather than moving for alternative left-back targets because he was the the one that Lampard wanted as, as an upgrade on that spot and he also fit the club's profile for um, you know in that kind of 21 to 24 age bracket on the way up uh, English as well which always helps in terms of the, the core of the squad and uh, and they, they felt that he could be a kind of complete solution to what has become a bit of a problem position in that he could he could offer what he ended up offering um, in that game in attack while also being able to defend properly in a back four, which both Emerson and Alonso have had their problems with. So I think they, they were judging him more than on just last season. They were also judging him on what he could become. Um, but he, he looks he looks very very good. He's get he looks up to speed physically now, and he looks like he's settled in very very quickly. Although he probably needs to brush up on his French, as he as you suggested. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, putting Aspie back in, giving Reese James a, a break, Nick. But we know Aspie from his t- time in Marseille speaks French. Zuma is French. Thiago Silva spent eight seasons in Paris, definitely speaks French. Edouard Mendy speaks French. So my understanding is uh, those four sat back, defended, and Chilwell just didn't know what they were doing. So he just kept bombing down the wing, playing playing attack. It was great. Yeah, left winger, you know, striker, whatever it is. Um, I mean, we we called this out in our exquisite match preview that all of us definitely got right <laughs> um, about this match. But he he does love to get forward. It's it is one of the areas that I think against a better team, you know, we're gonna have to monitor how how much he attacks because I think there were times where there were some gaps open. Although I think the rest of the defense covered 
pretty well today. But I mean, he's a he's a real threat moving up, Liam. I guess when I watched him last year, and maybe he didn't have the best end of the year compared to the start of the year. He he got exposed a little bit because he was so far forward, but he seemed to recover well yesterday, and I think only had one or two kind of slight errors that kind of led to breaks. But other than that, it was pretty comprehensive from him. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I think a big part of the reason why Chelsea wanted Chilwell was that um, he's mobile enough to to cover the entire the entire flank when needed. He's got plenty of stamina, plenty of speed. He's got defensive instincts, which I think Chelsea are expecting him to improve. He's got Ashley Cole at Cobham that he can he can learn from and ask for advice whenever he wants. So I'd expect him to improve a little bit on that end. He showed really good composure, I remember, at one point in the second half. Um, playing out under pressure, beating about three different Crystal Palace players that are trying to take the ball off him. Um, it may be an issue against better teams that, that he goes forward a lot, but I think that's more of a systemic thing and Lampard trying to balance the team to make sure that they have enough bodies so that when fullbacks do attack to swing those crosses in, it will happen with Reese James on the other side as well, won't it? Um, they just need to make sure that they've got got that balance at both ends of the pitch. Yeah, both of them, Brandon, can be a problem. <laughs> they, they both they both love to get forward. Um, so we're, we're, I think the back line is just going to have to remain in sync like they did yesterday, which, again, I think was probably, for, for Chelsea fans who have long awaited a clean sheet, probably the most imp- impressive part of the performance. Correct. And it being pretty comfortable as well in the clean mm-hmm. sheet. Um, you know, Edouard Mendy with zero saves and a clean sheet pretty pretty good day out um but i thought i thought he was dynamic i thought he did well in the sense of uh finding his opportunities to go forward um and and again liam him dancing away from three four attackers in our defensive third right outside the box uh had me on pins and needles but he escaped unscathed and so you you just are like okay you've got that in your locker as well noted that's that's great and that's just something you wouldn't see Alonzo do. If we're just comparing to assets that the club has at their disposal, um, you know, that's not something Alonzo's going to do. He obviously has better pace than Alonzo. And now, Dan, we found out that Chili B can smoke a shot with that left foot as well. I think Liam's tweet here saying Chilwell moving in on Alonzo's corner with goals like that means that uh, we might have another sweet left-footed uh, attacking option. It's never a bad thing to have defenders that can score. You know, we have seen some of our favorite sides of having of Ivanovic, having Terry, having Cahill, having defenders that can put the ball in the back of the net, whether it's on a set piece or just being a fox in the box and being able to spring on it, which is exactly what Chilwell did. Chilwell just ran at pace and found himself in a position to catch a little bit of a rebound from <clears throat> Tammy's header kind of bouncing off. And knocked it in with tons of power. I think that thing was probably close to burning a hole through the back of the net. And that's exactly what you want to see in in this scenario. I, I do think to some of the points we kind of touched on that 
against sides who will want to have more possession because Crystal Palace was playing more of a hot potato game and they just thought the ball was always hot, so they didn't want it at all, that we will potentially be challenged a touch more. But in this type of game, it really gave Chilwell the freedom to develop that confidence, get that swagger going, and really, I think, serves him great for what's going to come kind of post-international break. Yeah, I mean, there, there are two things about this that I loved. The first is that when a lot of our players get really cute around the box and try and place it upper 90 or do something spectacular, sometimes just hitting it as hard as you can is a good option because uh, he basically gave Gaeta no chance to make a reaction save. The second is, it's Liam, to me, sometimes it's about the little things. And the little thing on this goal was that Tammy just kept the play alive. You know, there, there wasn't, you know, Tammy was obviously trying to score, but his little glancing header allowed the play to continue and, and brought Chilwell in. And I think for a team, again, that tried to walk it into the back of the net last year, uh, these little kind of scrappier goals are, are welcome signs for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think particularly against the Roy Hodgson team, it's, it's very, very difficult to look good against the Hodgson defense with those very compact banks of four. And Chelsea experienced that in the first half. Um, the other thing I liked about that goal was slightly before what Abraham did, which was mm. it was pretty much the first time that Callum Hudson-Odoi had really tried to commit his man one-on-one. And I think that's what he's in the team for. That's what Lampard wants to see him do every time he gets the ball. And, and sometimes he's not quite aggressive enough, I don't think. But he was... He lost the ball. He was slightly lucky to get it back, but he immediately played that smart pass to Aspilicueta and then that sets off the, the chain of events that eventually gives that break to Chilwell. And, and sometimes you need that. I think you need wingers like Hudson and Doy who have that speed, that skill, that one-on-one ability to, to, to create that little bit of panic in a, in a defence that is otherwise pretty settled and, and composed. And that was the first time Palace, I think, looked a little bit unsure of of nullifying Chelsea and it resulted in a goal well it also takes a very compact back four that can basically stand on the 18 yard line right (laughs) and it stretches them out a little bit more right so you're creating a little bit more space and so I don't know I, I thought between Chilwell and Callum they weren't able to just sit basically right in front of Gaeta the entire time. They had to come out and defend a little bit more, which is good. On a stats level, Statman Dave on Twitter saying, uh, Ben Chill's game by numbers versus Crystal Palace, 83% pass accuracy, 22 final third passes. It's ridiculous. Five accurate crosses, uh, three chances created, three interceptions, two fouls, one, two shots, one assist, one goal, zero goals conceded, a dream debut. And he also said no Chelsea player has been directly involved in more Premier League goals so far this season than Ben Chilwell with two. Um, Our best attacker? Question mark. Well, yeah. Well, maybe. Okay. Well, before we get into that, (laughs) um, Liam, I think just lastly, I just want to make sure we touch on the like the recruiting process of Ben Chilwell and kind of like you know Lampard's pursuit of him. And I think this kind of goes to the bigger strategy. It seems like Chelsea have picked top targets, whoever they feel between the scouting department, the first team. Uh, and then obviously with Marina, and they're saying, let's just go get that person and not really looking at option B, C, or D. Uh, in terms of Ben Chilwell, I know it's, or from what we hear, 
heard Lester asking for like 75. Marina got him down to 55, 60 or, you know, something much more manageable for them. Um, anything kind of that stood out to you guys at the athletic in the pursuit of Ben Chilo and kind of like how he fits long-term for, for Chelsea? Yeah, I think it was an example of everything that is good about Chelsea's recruitment system aligning. So you mentioned the, the whole, you know, top choice, top choice or nothing philosophy um, that, that's kind of underpinned their best work in, in this window particularly. And that was very much the case with Chilwell. The, Alex Tellers was out there. Nicholas Tagliafico was out there. Um, there. There were other options that Chelsea could have looked at, but they wanted Chilwell. They thought, you know, he was younger than those guys. He could be a long-term solution in that position. And they were always confident that they would be able to get him for substantially less than the price that Leicester were demanding. And they were a little bit lucky in terms of circumstances. Um, Leicester were one of the clubs, I think, that that, that really felt the economic consequences of the, the pandemic shutdown. And that changed their outlook for the, for the transfer window. And eventually, I think, led to a recognition from them that they couldn't get £80 million Harry Maguire money for Ben Chilwell in the end. And our our information was that the, the final fee was around 50, um, which I think is is pretty reasonable. I mean, we none of us know exactly how the transfer market will rebound long-term from everything football is going through right now. But I think given that they, they want Chilwell to be a big part of this team for, you know, six, seven, eight years, I, I think when you're, when you're breaking down that kind of cost over that period of time, it's, it's certainly a decent investment. Great. Look, all early signs point to yes, absolutely. Uh, another new defender that we brought in this summer, Dan, was Thiago Silva, right? On a free kind of talked about how he's really upset with how PSG handled that um, that departure. Essentially told them they didn't need him up until the Champions League final. Made to the Champions League final. Said, oh, yeah, yeah, by the way, we'll give you another year. And he's like, I've already signed for Chelsea. Too little, too late. Uh, he had a great day out too, didn't he, Dan? At least statistically. I don't want to get into a Nick's eye test too early on this one. Well, he had a, yes, a very good day statistically. I think the asterisks we could put on most of the defensive uh, performances in this match is that when a team doesn't want to try and actually take shots or play shots on target or have the ball, um, you know, I know that you went after me on uh, some some random troll on Twitter was going after me for saying that. Palace was playing this as if it was a preseason game. Some weird guy at BB Busby. <laughs> I don't know why you uh, keep talking about preseason. Pa- preseason over, Dan. It like it was a Palace was playing like it was a preseason game. There was no energy. There was no fight. There was no desire to come at Chelsea and to try and do something to to get us. So that is my asterisk on all the defensive performances. But in that context. Thiago Silva did have a very nice day out, had 120 touches, had 107 passes, five recoveries, four clearances, four total duels, two uh, two interceptions, one chance created, one block, one really excellent tackle that he put in. And and much like, you know, surprise, uh, our other defenders helped keep a clean sheet. Overall, you know, nice day out, good type of game to get him acclimatized, good game to kind of set him up with what could be a back four pairing that continues for a large part of the season. And, you know, maybe outside of the Aspilicueta and Reese, depending upon the dynamics of a particular match. But in general, I thought, uh, as our Discord calls him Papa, because he's the old man defender on the back, it had a really nice day out. Um, yeah, I, they looked, he looked in control. 
is what Liam I, I would say. Like I, I think Dan just rattled left nineteen hundred stats there, but he as as opposed to West Brom, he looked a lot more comfortable on the right. He looked in control. To to Dan's point, maybe Liam Crystal Palace were terrible on the day, so you know factor that into whatever math that you have uh, in your brain. But yeah, I thought he looked in control. Yeah, I think Palace had the had the personnel to make this a very awkward afternoon for Chelsea, but they just didn't execute their game plan at all. They they didn't play the right passes out in transition to any of their fast players, and they as a result, Thiago Silva was never really put in a position where he would have to scramble um, in transition. And I think, you know, the collective organisation of the Chelsea defence was was good, but it was kind of the, the, the sort of day that I think Silva would have been used to at PSG, wasn't it? Where his team are just on top, playing the entire game in the opposition half. The other team can't really do anything and it's and it's quite a quiet, easy day for him. And and he didn't let the ball run under his foot, which is always a good sign. Um, <laughs> That, that had the feel of like a freakish Steven Gerrard type moment. So I, I think it will probably prove to be the exception. But he, he he still looks physically in very good nick for a 36-year-old. And that should mm-hmm. give some optimism that he can be a significant positive this year. I definitely enjoyed um, him and Zuma were very aggressive with Zaha and Ayu, not really letting them receive the ball, you know on their back, stepping around them to intercept as well. And I just thought Silva looked very much up for it as well. Uh, the physicality, I don't think is going to be an issue for him in the Premier League. He looks ready for that. And he looked he looked very sharp, is, I think, mentally, and like his ability to read the play and then cut down the space between him and the attacker, which I thought was the best part about it. So, um, Nick, rolling over to you with your eye test uh, today. You picked Kurt Zuma. Why is that? Next eye test, insert stinger here. Um, look, uh, I thought Kurt was great. If if not for Chili B, I think definitely man of the match. Um, and not just, obviously, the goal was helpful uh, for a lot of reasons, but I thought he was just all over the place, man-possessed. And we called out before the game in our preview that this, you know, Chelsea having 70% possession was not going to be a surprise in this match. You know, Palace had previously had like 25% against United, so it's entirely possible that we would dominate there, which would leave potentially gaps in the back for their speedy counterattack. And I thought that he dealt with a lot of that incredibly well. Uh, I thought that he was good in the air. I thought that he just looked... He looked like he knew Thiago Silva was in the game and wanted to prove that 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 was not going to be the only reason for a, a clean sheet that he was going to have a large part to play there, Liam. So I mean, outside of outside of the goal, I thought that he was really, really good defensively. The goal obviously helps his case. And if he's able to add, you know, with maybe some better service on set pieces, able to add a couple more goals to his game this year, that would probably be a significant uh, plus positive, as Dan will say. Uh, to, to this team because he has all the leaping ability in the world to make some of these set pieces count. Yeah, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal leaper. Um, it's something that I think Chelsea really valued in him right from the moment they signed him. And, uh, and it was one of the things that people were worried whether it would come back 100% after that ACL injury, but he certainly lost none of his um, vertical 
shall we say. Uh, the, the goal he scored looked a little bit like a glitch because it felt like he was <laughs> on the way down again from that from that leap, and yet he still mm. managed to generate the elevation and the power to get the ball up and over Guaita into that top corner. It was an excellent header. Um, it's I think it's it's been too long since Chelsea had a a real consistent threat to score from centre back set pieces. Uh, so he he should be he should renew that proud lineage, I think. And just defensively, I really like watching aggressive Zuma. Um, I think he I think he causes a lot of problems for for strikers because he's got he's got the speed to keep up with the guys who want to run in behind. But he he goes to show, shoulder to shoulder with anyone and wins. Uh, there was a moment I think two or three minutes from the end of the game, Chelsea had obviously won. The game was obviously over. Zaha was chasing the ball into the corner and Zuma just flattened him completely fairly, but just flattened him. And, Z- and Zaha's face as he got up was just utterly depressed. And it <laughs> just seemed to me like that's the kind of performance you want to see from Zuma week after week. And maybe having Thiago Silva as his regular partner will help him get there. I think I always ball. enjoy... Uh, no, I always no. enjoy the memes after a match where uh, Zuma has a great performance where it's the taking the items out of his pockets after a match and it's like the keys, it's the wallet and then it's the random photo of the attacker on the other team that he is uh, <laughs> also pocketed for, for 90 minutes and uh, in this match it was uh, definitely Zaha. It was a good day out. I'm glad we got to touch on three of the four. Obviously Aspie doing what Aspie does. Uh, probably just giving Reese James a break is my assumption. So uh, that'll round out the defense. Uh, we are going to take a quick ad break. But when we're back, we can talk about Calum Hudson-Odoi. We're going to talk about potential big money bid for said player. We're going to talk about Jorginho. We're going to talk about penalties. So much more. So thank you to the sponsor for financially supporting the show. And thank you to Jeremiah Ludacris for sponsoring the beats on these ads because he does a great job we'll be right back fellas 2020 has made it hard for us to stay as hygienic as we should be luckily our partners at manscaped have made it easy to turn your bathroom into your own private salon manscaped is on a mission to change the grooming game with their below the waist grooming and hygiene products and they just released their products in the uk canada and australia the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. The waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower and for up to 90 minutes. They also just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer. Their perfect package comes with two free gifts and other liquid formulations to complete your ball trimming routine. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, paraben-free, so you know your disco stick is in good hands. You're probably sitting on the couch with your hands on your balls anyways might as well keep them smelling fresh with the crop preserver ball deodorant an anti-chafing ball deodorant designed to defend against the below the waist odors when that summer humidity hits i use these to keep my balls from sticking to my legs they even use the crop reviver ball toner that is spray on toner for your testicles their foot duster foot deodorant is so good they can even reduce the odor of the dirtiest feet use the code london is blue and get 20 percent off plus free shipping at manscaped.com basically all i'm saying is if you love your package all you have to do is go to their site hit a few buttons on your phone and it will change your life for the better get 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code london is blue and upgrade that salon with the luxury products of manscaped you've counted on restaurants and now they are counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed they're still open for delivery with doordash that's right doordash is the app that brings the food you're craving right to your door 
Ordering is super easy. You just open up the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting, which I encourage. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. But they have the added bonus of having some of your favorite local spots on there as well, which I, I personally love to support my local restaurants like Lulu's in Kansas City. What's up? Shout out to you guys. I've eaten from you a lot this year. <laughs> right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more, which is not hard to do, when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's all one word. That's right, $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Do it. All right, guys, here it is, Calum Hudson-Odoi. It's uh, been a hot-button issue, one might say, Liam, in, in your industry. Uh, he's It's been like this for over a season, though. It seemed like him and Frank didn't really hit it off last season right away. Uh, this season comes back to where is he going to go? Is he going to react? Lampard's kind of called him out for his uh, alleged approach to training is what we're kind of deciphering out of Lampard's comments. Um but Chelsea Youth with the tweet says, might have lacked fireworks, but this has been a mature performance from Hudson Adoy. Ball retention very good in general, works hard in and out of possession. The sort of progress you want to see a young winger make to round out his game. So kind of with this whole season, didn't play, didn't play, got some minutes now starting. Uh, I guess kind of what's your angle or how have you been viewing this from from your perspective, Liam? Yeah, Hudson Adoy's always been a, a weird one because it feels like every game becomes a referendum on his entire Chelsea future, which it shouldn't be um, for, for a guy of his age. But I, I, I think he, I agree with what Chelsea had said in, in the main. I think it was, a, it was a good performance. There was less of the uh, sort of X factor stuff from him. I, thought, I said before, I thought he could have been more aggressive at times. But in terms of the, the less showy stuff, which he hasn't always been able to do consistently, the tracking back the frame um, and the, you know, the, the, the safe possessional passes in addition to taking risks. I think he, he got all of those things right. So um, it's clear Chelsea really, Chelsea really value him. You know, they want to build around him long-term. Lampard values him. They've, they've brought a lot, a lot of other attackers in and I can see why that would worry hudson Adoy and, and the people around him who are, obviously very concerned with his continued progression and everything becomes that much more fraught when you have the constant specter of Bayern Munich basically being in love with him um, <laughs> in the background. And, and that, you know, that hasn't changed that that wasn't abandoned thanks to him signing a new long-term contract clearly because Bayern has not gone away. Um, but he's a big part of Chelsea's future. And I think Lampard, reiterated that after the game he'll get more minutes because you know that Christian Pulisic they're still working him him back slowly and they want to make sure that they they minimize his risk of re-injury same with Hakim Ziyech so that there will be opportunities for Hudson-Odoi to shine and um, there were positive signs against Palace. Wow, uh, I, I I'm I'm stumped, Liam. As and I, I'm not, I'm saying this in jest a little bit, so just 
you know, for those who can't pick up on my comedic tones, what does Bayern Munich see in him that Chelsea doesn't? (laughs) I guess is my (laughs) question. Like it's, it, it seems it's, as you said, there are plenty of opportunities for him to play this year that, you know, we're going to have four or what is it? Four matches in the next 12 days, something like that. You know, like, so you know, your even your core starting group's not going to play every match together uh, just due to rotation. Like, what does Bayern Munich see in him with their insane squad that they already have assembled that that apparently Chelsea is is not seeing or it, like I, I, it's it's confused me from day one because he has now eleven or twelve Premier League starts in his career, something like that. Like it's not it's not as if this is like the proven finished article by any stretch. Yeah, I think there is a political element to this as far as Bayern are concerned, because if you go back a couple of years, they missed out on Jaden Sancho. And Sancho ended up going to Dortmund and obviously exploding into the absolute superstar that he is now. And a big part of this, as far as Bayern are concerned, is they want their own Sancho. And a while ago, they identified... Callum Hudson-Odoi is that guy. And it's easy easy to see why they did because he and Sancho are virtually the same age. They played against each other at club youth level um, in academy football, played with each other for England. And for most of their youth careers, Hudson-Odoi was regarded as every bit as good as Sancho, maybe even better, um, depending on who you ask. So it's, it, it's easy to understand why Bayern would look at him that way. And that has been, I think, very central to their pitch to him and to his camp is that he can be their Sancho. And, and you know, they, they pitched the succession with Robin and Ribery, um, which I think was very attractive to him at the time when he was weighing up whether to sign a new contract at Chelsea. Now the outlook is different because Bayern are European champions. They have... Serge Nabry, Kingsley Coman, they've just signed Leroy Sane. Like, they've, they've got a fair bit of quality on the wing. Um, so I, I think if you were Hudson-Odoi, players always back themselves, but there's, there's a more perilous argument that you could play every week at Bayern than you could have maybe made a year or so ago. Uh, and certainly it's hard to argue there would be less competition there than there is at Chelsea right now. Uh, but but Bayern, Bayern really like him, that, and and I, like I said, I think Sancho is a big part of the reason why. I I I think he's now gaining the trust to establish himself as a winger. He's clearly ahead of Ruben. He's probably ahead of Mason now, maybe not consistently. Obviously, Pulisic featured for ten minutes in this match, and we know Hakim Ziyech still has to come back. To me, I would really love it, and I think Callum could be the third winger in this system and with us playing every three four days he he will get his opportunities Bayern are much stronger in the attacking wide spaces than what we are it's just it is what it where we are right now but to that point is I just feel like he's he's gonna get chances the the problem or the question being uh, you know what are him and Frank like what is that relationship like because Frank it seems like he's He's a player's guy, but he's a bit tough on them because he built his career off hard work, coming in early, staying late. And if he doesn't see players doing that, I could see him kind of being like, well, you're just not working hard enough. And maybe that's the case, maybe not. But Frank's got a bit of old school mentality to him. And it might be one of those things where like, hey, I don't work best with you in that system under that. So maybe I don't want to be here. 
But I, I, I am hoping, and it sounds like Frank is warming with Callum uh, from Chelsea FC. The quote of the in, from Lampard after the match was that he adds that Hudson Odoi did well in the second half when he took on the fullback and is very much a part of his plans. And I think that that second part, very much a part of his plans, was intentional. The the thing I, I would say though is. Byron have a style and a way of playing that's pretty consistent and they understand who their 11 is. And I think if I were Callum, just trying to put myself in his boots, as it were, Frank really hasn't figured out what that best attack looks like yet. And so if you are kind of thinking about potentially being a third or fourth choice here, and maybe even being a third or fourth choice at Byron, is that ultimately you have the ability to understand maybe what your potential time looks like because you understand what the system is going to be versus maybe what Frank is still trying to figure out here. Okay. True. Just just, just trying to provide a, a, you know, a different kind of view on it. You know, absolutely. Maybe see why he's trying to push. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not discrediting. I'm just trying to stall and buy myself time. So thank you for adding me, Dan. Really, <laughs> really appreciate you on that one. Um, yeah, look. A lone option with a potential 70 million pound bid is massive. But, Liam, the catch is that it's only an option to buy him for 70 million. It's not, uh, we will buy him for 70. If you think Byron were like, look, we'll buy him next year for 70, Chelsea cash in. I mean, that is a lot of money if it were guaranteed. And it is. I think that that would give Chelsea something to think about. Certainly more than it would have been when when Bayern were trying to prize him away when he had less than a year on his deal, or just over a year on his deal. Um, Chelsea hold the cards now, but all the indications are that they want to they want to keep him. They want to they want to make him part of their plans, and that and particularly at this stage of the window, there's not really a lot of benefit to Chelsea in loaning him to another elite European club where he's not guaranteed to play, by the way, as we've already said. So it's not, it's not guaranteed to serve a great development purpose for Chelsea if he's only there for a year. Um, as, we, as we said, they're not guaranteed to cash in next summer anyway. And they'd be short a winger um, because if, as, much, as much as you look at the attacking options that Lampard has, I think Timo Werner has looked a little bit like a... A, a square peg in a round hole on the left wing so far. He hasn't quite worked out how to play that role yet. And they've only really got Pulisic and, and Ziyech as, as proper legitimate wing options other than Hudson-Odoi. So it doesn't make a lot of sense for Chelsea to let him go. I expect him to be at the club beyond the deadline. But this the, the, this news, I think, this constant mumbling is 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 quite exhausting for everyone at Chelsea when it comes to Hudson-Odoi. Yeah, is the end game, Liam, on, on Callum, is is the end game that we get some sort of like firm decision or is it is this just going to be the state of affairs forever now? Like Bayern just being annoying as hell every every transfer I, window. I mean, it can't be good for the for the dressing room. It can't be good for Lampard. Like, like do, do you get a sense that there's like an end game? Well, I think the resolution will come when we've got a little bit more evidence as to as to whether Hudson Odoi will actually break into this team or not. You know, I think going, you know, going on something Dan said, I think I think there's an element of opportunity to what's happening at Chelsea right now because the hierarchy is so fluid. There are so many new players. There, 
Lampard doesn't know exactly what he wants this team to be yet or how to get there. So I think every player has an opportunity to to make themselves indispensable if they play well enough. And if if Hudson Odoi comes in and has a stretch like Sancho first first had when he when he broke through at Dortmund, then he can make himself indispensable at Chelsea. He's got that talent. Um, and if he does that, then I think this Bayern talk will go away very quickly because he'll be happy. He'll be playing at Chelsea every week and Bayern will, will realise there's absolutely no chance of getting him. It's just while it's in this sort of purgatorial state where he doesn't quite know how much he's going to play and Bayern still think there might be a chance that we're going to have this noise. All right. Last thing is a reminder. Chelsea committed to Callum with the massive deal when he was injured. All right. He's getting paid. Chelsea have given him a vote of confidence in the long run. It's just if his timeline matches up with Chelsea's timeline, and if those aren't succinct or synced like Liam said, then there's always going to be opportunity for Bayern to be obnoxious. Uh, but never forget Munich 2012 Bayern. Uh, anyways, uh, Jorginho, all right, had a, had a, an interesting day, right? Uh, I was coming into the, this week saying I never wanted to see Jorginho Kovacic double pivot again. We saw Jorginho Conte double pivot. I was kind of surprised COVID didn't play this week. Um, look, Jorginho looked, as everyone is now affectionately calling him all of a sudden, J5. Uh, the The temperature has warmed on Jorginho after 90 minutes. He is back. He is in our plans, Dan. He is the regista we always knew he had. But I will asterisk this, right? I think we saw a very different Jorginho yesterday who was not interested in these small tiki-taka passes but was adventurous looking forward, even lofting passes in the air above defenders. We saw, we did see a bit of a new Jorginho yesterday um, and I don't think that was by luck. I feel like he has been given direction to play a different way. You're, you kind of hyped it up like a car commercial does where it's like, oh, my God, these massive savings. And then it's got like the, the 30 second like blip at the end. That's like yeah. 10 minutes of disclaimer for like that needs to be context. Uh, look, Jorginho and the majority of this Chelsea team had an easy time because Crystal Palace were terrible. <laughs> like, yes, it's easy to have uh, as the stats are 92 percent pass accuracy, 34 forward passes, six ball recoveries, three interceptions, three shots and two goals, which were penalties uh, in this match. When Crystal Palace are saying, hey, take the ball from us. We don't want to we don't want to have it. Look, I think this type of game was suited to what Jorginho can do, which is can can move the ball around. He was good at kind of trying to get it between uh, the left and the right. What we didn't do well in the first half, though, was we didn't move the ball quick enough. And so we weren't creating any opportunity in that first 45, which I'm, I'm sure you're aware, Brandon. Uh, Jorginho played the whole game, so he was also in the pitch for that first 45 where we couldn't make the ball move fast enough to actually get it in a position where we could really just uncork a shot. I, I don't think this is actually really any indication on what Jorginho's long-term situation looks like. I think it's more just we went up against a, a side where his style of play was not exposed. You know, again, when you go up a, against United or a, a Tottenham, Nick, teams that are going to be able to kind of attack really with pace and be a little bit more direct, like Liverpool, like the, his performance that he had today would be super exposed against a team that actually wants to have the ball and wants to kind of run through our midfield. 
Yeah, I mean, Liam, to me, I think the solution on Jorginho is if he's allowed to sit back, have time on the ball, and distribute the ball effectively to players that are not being pressed or harried, then he looks much better than if he's pressed with one or two guys. I mean, I think you see the moment that the other team sticks a kind of forward attacker on him to to put the pressure on, the ball just goes backwards or side to side more often than it goes forward in the way that it did today. So, you know, Palace gave him the luxury of not pressing him, and then he was able to quite effectively pass the ball forward and, and even, as Dan said, even in the air forward. Um, but I think it was more of a byproduct of the way that they played him rather than like the, you know, he's developed a new skill set. Yeah, I, th- I think there's not really anything new for us to learn about Jorginho as a player at this stage, is it? Um, he, he kind of is what he is. He, he He's a player of considerable strengths when, as he said, he, he has... He has the time and space to to play passes and dictate the tempo. And when I think he's aggressive about doing that and about you know keeping the pace up and keeping Chelsea moving forward wherever possible, um, he's of considerable value. And you just need to make sure that you have him in a structure that minimizes the weaknesses that are equally as obvious. And having Kante next to him, I think, did help Chelsea in snuffing out. Palace's counterattacks before they could even get going. In an ideal world, he wouldn't be in the in the midfield that Lampard wants to build. Um, we've had, we've got plenty of evidence for that at this point, but I don't necessarily think he's going to leave um, before before the deadline because there isn't really a market for him, and it wouldn't make a ton of sense for Chelsea to loan him out unless they can bring someone in. So unless they get some really late encouragement that they can get Declan Rice, they've had absolutely no encouragement from West Ham so far. I would expect Jorginho to continue to be part of this team. And I think Lampard will be prepared to use him, albeit always mindful of the circumstances of using him. Well, he is now the leading scorer in the Premier League this season for Chelsea with three goals, just ahead of Kurt Zuma at two, and then Tammy Abraham, Ben Chilwell, Kamal Zoe, Reese James, and Mason Mount, all with one, exactly as we thought it would go this season, Brandon. Yeah, exactly as well. But like I think uh, Fabrizio had said, like, uh, Jorginho is a player that Chelsea aren't going to loan. They're only going to sell because he does have such a high value being an experienced player. So in this market, it's going to be hard to move a player like Jorginho. So um, probably best case scenario is Lampard finds a way to make him work in this new system. And if uh, Jorginho is going to be more adventurous with his passing, I think he's got a chance at least to, you know, he can't keep doing the same thing. That's for sure. Um, all right, let's go ahead and, and work our way to the end of this one with our unanswered questions. What questions are we asking today that we still don't have answers for? Um, and I think we have a few. Dan, maybe you want to kick it off? Sure. You know, we've, we've signed two wonderful German attackers in Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, and they have not scored in the Premier League yet. And so the question will be is when will they score? Uh, this was kind of a run of fixtures against Palace and West Brom where you would have expected us to kind of start scoring or to start seeing them open their accounts. And you, know, you come back after this, we've got Southampton as our first match back. They've been pretty good defensively, so they're not going to give up anything easily. Uh, you've got United after that in the league. So it's just 
it's an interesting run. Hopefully you find that, that form sooner rather than later. Kind of wish the penalties after the you know first one might have been distributed either to to Timo or to you know even uh, Tammy just to give them a little bit of an opportunity but uh, you also can't fault Jorginho in that regard for uh, you know, he's top of the list but yes when will our German gentleman start scoring yep I think that's pretty fair because my my unanswered question is how do we get the best out of Timo Werner I apparently have now seen that the 4-2-3-1 can work so I'm at least open to this formation if we play like you know with the the kind of fluidity that we had and the balance that we had in the midfield but I still feel like we're sacrificing Timo Werner if you talk about Ben Chilwell's crosses the problem is Timo has to be wide to give to let Ben get the overlap now he's not in the box to be on the end of said cross from Chili B and that's where we want him and so I'm still just concerned of how do we maximize this top top quality signing and maybe it's when Pulisic comes back and then Tammy is the one who gets sacrificed in that sense I don't know but right now I don't like him on the left of a 4-2-3-1 uh, Nick what about you what is your question that's still unanswered uh, yeah my unanswered questions will largely be directed towards Liam <laughs> because I <laughs> I'm looking at a lot of players still in the squad that need to be resolved Prior to Monday's deadline, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Rudiger, you know, any... Drink any water, these, Moses. Yeah, like a lot of these loanees. So, Leah, maybe this is just a, a chance to give a quick status on, on the remaining outgoings. Oh, well, um, at, the risk of, right. <laughs> at, at the risk of immediately dating this podcast, because <laughs> things can still happen, um, I... I think most of the names you mentioned will probably go on loan. Um, certainly when you're talking about the likes of Victor Moses and Danny Drinkwater, I think homes homes of some kind will be found for them, at least until January. Ruben Loftus, Frank Loud has made it pretty clear that he thinks there's value in, in Loftus going out and getting some regular game time. Loftus Sheik himself, I'm told, you know, wants to play. But he, he also is, you know, he, he's, he kind of wants to fight for his place at Chelsea. Um, so we'll we'll see how that one plays out. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up going on loan elsewhere in the Premier League. There's certainly plenty of interest in him. Um, and who are, who are the other names you mentioned? There's a there's a big bracket of there's players that have fit into this. It's probably too yeah. many to list, honestly. R- Rudiger and Loftus-Cheek are probably the two that I would look at. As, as maybe the most immediate, but yeah, certainly yeah. There are, there's a stable of options. R- Rudiger is a very difficult one um, because uh, you know for so long for for so long this summer it looked as, as if Fakayeta was going to be the one to leave on loan, and Lampard has, has essentially put his foot down and said, "No, I want Tamori in the squad. He'll get his opportunities here." And Lampard is is, is basic has basically made the decision that Rudiger should be the one. Um, to, to to go that features less prominently in, in his plans. But Rudiger is, is a little bit harder to shift and it, it certainly doesn't make a ton of sense for Chelsea to loan him to Tottenham. <laughs> that that looks like a transfer that would be, or a loan deal that would, would be slightly awkward for all involved, given what happened with Rudiger at Tottenham Stadium last season. So uh, I, I, I honestly don't know what's happening with that one. 
would suppose but I think most of the names you mentioned will will go online somewhere monday is going to be a busy day for us i guarantee that <laughs> no doubt at all um have you even had time to think about maybe an unanswered question you have for frank or any of the players or just the club at, as a whole at this point after these few matches in the premier league so far i think that the unanswered question that's been bugging me at, since the moment he signed is, oh, oh, are we sure that Thiago Silva's 36? <laughs> he, ha- he, ha- he has his age decade. Um, so I, I'm not sure there is an answer to that. But I, it, 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 it fascinates me. Just looking at his, his ageless face um, and, and still very sort of owned. He's basically got a mid-20s physique and, and, a, and general appearance. Uh, so I find him fascinating. He found the Lazarus pits from uh, Batman. <laughs> I mean, just I don't goes even in occasionally he can, refreshes. He like can't even grow facial hair. He's just that young bodied of a person. Um, well, I look, I hope he avoids injury like a young person, not nothing muscular. And he goes on a nice run for us, but uh, that'd be a nice little surprise, especially for a, a stopgap quote unquote. Um, all right, Dan, well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up with your Dan of the match before I take us out on the, the table as it stands. Yeah, just shy of 90% to Benjamin Chilwell as the Dan of the match. No Jeez. surprise there. Jorginho pops in there with a little bit of 6%, uh, even though it should have been 5 you know, JJ, you know. Jorginho 5, J5. Uh, Kurt Zuma with a little bit there and Conte some as well. But no surprise, Benjamin takes it to the house. Yeah, we saw that coming. I'm pretty sure we told Bruce, you might as well just make the graphic now. <laughs> yep. Chill, chill was going to be a landslide, as he should have, though. I feel like that's fair. Um, all right. Well, as it stands, we are recording during the United Spurs match. Um, so the table, as it stands, has Everton, high-flying Everton in first wow. place. Uh, Leicester City second, Liverpool third, who have a game in hand. Arsenal up to fourth. Tottenham fifth. Chelsea 6th, Leeds 7, Newcastle 8, West Ham 9, Villa 10, Southampton 11, Palace dropping from 6th to 12th, Wolves 13, City 14, game in hand, Brighton 15th, United 16th, and it looks like they're not going to be getting any points from this match as it is currently 4-1 down a man. West Brom 17, Burnley 18, Sheffield United 19, Fulham, 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 20th uh was it jamie Carragher said on on one of the sky sports things that he has never been more sure a team is going down than fulham this season so uh i don't know if ruben necessarily wants to go there on loan if that's an option but maybe he doesn't care <laughs> it's not He'd probably great. play a lot <laughs> yeah you would hope so liam what's the biggest surprise for you in that table as it stands is it everton or is it united um, to be honest, I was more surprised that, that that United got it together last season. I was expecting them to be a mess for pretty much the whole year. It's it's weird that the, the Bruno Fernandez effect has has dropped off as suddenly as it kicked in. Um, I guess probably the the thing that surprises me is is Sheffield United being winless in their first four games because of they there there was a certain element of the novelty wearing off a little bit and their unique tactical system maybe being found out as, as teams became more familiar with it. But for them not to get any points from their first four games is pretty interesting and, and slightly worrying for them. 
Yeah, definitely not the same uh, from them. Obviously, they're down in 19th only because Fulham's goal difference is worse. Uh, but yeah, I think Wolves have kind of stuttered a little bit. West Ham, obviously with a massive victory, 3-0 over Leicester City. This is a weird table. Arsenal up to fourth, having won three and only lost one. Uh, look, it's going to be a wild season, I think. Uh, so we're going to have to take care of business when we can. And this victory against Palace, 3-0, is a huge step in the right direction. But hey, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Liam, again, thank you so much. Go subscribe, pay the small amount of money to get a ton of value from him, Simon, and the rest of the team over at The Athletic. Um, anything we can do to support you? Do you have like a, a referral code that you get, you know, cash bonuses based on the that we can share out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do we keep you in furs, Liam? <laughs> well, I think, I think we have the, um, I think we have the promo code that we use for people to sign up um, who listen to straight out of Cobb and Mar podcast, which is just, theathletic.com forward slash Chelsea pod. I, th- I can't remember what the percentage is. I think it might be 40% off or something, but it's a, it's reasonable value anyway. Perfect. We'll add that one. Nick, Dan, thank you as always. But the listener, you are the best part about this. So go engage with us on social afterwards. Or if you're on the Discord, easiest way, just tag at Enverlaney. He'll be right there to respond. You know how he does it. Seven to ten business days. That's my rule. (laughs) (laughs) Written correspondence only. (laughs) All right, let's go. We got to wrap it up. Uh, We will have a lot of midweek content, even though it's international break. So have no fear. We are not going anywhere. Uh, But that is going to wrap us up for this match review. So again, thank you. And until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Vote. Vote. Voter registration is about over. Go register to vote. Check your registration. Vote. Vote.